Well, hello and welcome back to the View Church Podcast. This is Jake, and we are sitting down, coming right off our first Sunday at Gower Elementary. Um, so wonderful to see everybody that was there. And, you know, we spent some time, George, um, uh, really intending that um, that our presence there, as, as uh, we're sitting here in August, school's about to get started. We really wanted to create that intention that this is a, a place that um, we can love on. I mean, obviously, we're... we're um, meeting there on Sundays, but we want to love on those uh, teachers and pray for a, a beautiful new year um, for what everybody went through last year, right? So um, we're excited to be there. It was our first Sunday there, and as always with anything, there's kinks to work out, but it's nice to have a home, and it felt really good to be in that space. How was it for you just kind of on your first Sunday being there at Gower? It was good, and I, I, I love what you're saying about the instant mission that we've been given, which mm-hmm. is to love the people that we are in closest proximity to. And so um, we certainly want to be a people that care for each other but love the world around us. So mm-hmm. it's just great to be planted in a space and there actually be physical people to begin to pray for and think about. And so our hearts are just completely open, not only how we could use that building to mm-hmm. worship, but how we can extend our love yes. into our community through that school and these mm. teachers and these kids and these families. And so uh, I'm eagerly anticipating yeah. just the people that we get to love through being there. Yeah. And it's exciting to see, you know, they got everything's getting ready for school. So they're, they're getting ready and it's wonderful that we get to have that intention and prayer that, you know, by our loving presence being there, that that somehow transmuted to these kids that on their first day and, um, you know, that, that they sense the love of God around them, um, even maybe on the carryover after us meeting on Sundays and praying for them. But um, this episode is really about um, the gentle healing power of Jesus. And we, we talked a little bit before we recorded on um, just the vastness of his teachings and, and how it's constantly moving into challenges in our inner world and kind of rewiring and reprogramming and, and saying, I know that you believe this, but I'm trying to teach you this. And so, um, but it's always with gentleness. You know, sometimes I know growing up, um, if anybody ever taught me something that was, they were trying to convince me of something, it was always a little aggressive or had a tone about it, but it's like, you know, the way that Jesus is constantly, gently um, kind of repurposing everything, reminding us of certain truths, um, it, it creates a sense of safety with him that you can trust it, even though it may sound uh, foreign to you, or he may be hitting on a soft spot of yours, which we're about to get to, um, that it's always done with gentleness. Yeah, and I actually think that the best teachers draw something from within us. Mm. So I, you know, sometimes things are foreign, but I think should that should be the anomaly that something's mm. foreign. Mm. I think more often Jesus wants us to realize the truth for ourselves. That's why he asks questions. Mm. And so the gentleness is, is that it's not coming from on high that's forcing something on us as mm. much as it is drawing something from within that maybe we've forgotten or maybe we have been denying, but it's in such a way that it, it actually makes us feel more alive to yeah. to touch that part of us and, and to have you know, the presence of Christ touching that part of us with such gentleness and hope and yeah. care and love. And the other thing is, is that um, I like to use the words putting back together. It's mm. like, you know, our experiences of life, um, the things that we think about ourselves, mm. the things that we go through, the way we're treated by others, um, they tend to, to wound us and fracture and splinter us. And so mm. 
I think any encounter with Jesus and the Spirit of Christ is something that begins to put things back together. Mm. And so it's about wholeness. Mm. I, I know you use that word a lot that, um, you know, uh, in every way I think it's about God bringing things that have been splintered and fractured and mm. torn apart and somehow mending them mm. and finding that we're more whole and have a more whole, whole self to offer. Yes the world around us. So it, it's healing work, but it's whole work. Mm. And I, I was reading the other day that um, I love, I love this quote from a book that I'm reading. It says to heal is to make happy. You know, it's like, you know, when, when Jesus puts things back together, there's a sense of joy that comes with that, you know, and the, even though it, it may seem at the time to be something that is quote unquote challenging, like you said, it's, it, it only challenges the part of us that wants to stay separated, the part of us that wants to, to not join with another, to not love a brother. That's what he's always like, just give me a little bit of space here to help you. But I, I really appreciate you. You segued that well. And, and a part of that I talked about yesterday where um, sometimes when I'm, moving through something in my personal life. Um, I don't know if any listeners do this, but uh, we all, for whatever reason, we get certain people in our lives that uh, show us unconditional love. And it's it's not a, a common, uh, unfortunately, for a lot of us. But for me, it was my grandmother, my mom's mom and, and her, uh, I think, third or fourth husband, I don't remember, but he was a beautiful man named Buddy. Of course, perfect name, right? And so I went by their graveside um, because it was something that I wanted to go and sit with them and pray and, you know, ask for some some guidance. And um, I was called, actually, as I was sitting there, I looked over and there was this statue in the graveyard of uh, the, when Jesus talked with the Samaritan woman at the well. And I, I knew the story, but I walked over and saw the statue. And um, I was really surprised because the way they depicted the statue was she was holding on to this um, vase of water and, and she was looking down though. She was almost like it was, she was depressed or sad or feeling guilty about something. So I was like, well, what's in this story that would cause this woman? She's with Jesus. Like everything else in this graveyard's like, everybody's happy. You know, like I thought, I thought that when you were with Jesus, there was this amazing, you know, happy experience. And so I, I reread the story and, and I'm going to paraphrase it and I'm not going to go line by line, but it's in John. If you want to read it yourself, it's in John four. Um, so essentially, Jesus is moving through uh, Samaria, and he comes to town, and um, he asks this lady for a drink of water, and you know she's like, "Well, listen, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman, so how can you ask me for a drink?" So automatically, he's he's immediately affronting every every separation that we've that we've set up. You're 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 you, and I'm me, and we can't do this. So long story short, um, he talks to her, and he walks her through, and, and he starts to tell her that. Um, that he has eternal life. He has this living water that he can give her um, that would, would never, she would never go thirsty again. That, that we all have that spiritual thirst. We all have that yearning, that desire. And he's saying that I can give you um, this everlasting water. And he's, he's really got her excited. I mean, you can tell she's like, wonderful. Like, okay, tell me like what, what's behind door number one? Like, and how do I, how do I get the water? And he's like, well, I'll tell you what, if you do me a favor, why don't you go and call your husband and come back? And I'll tell you, and then she says, I have no husband. And as soon as I read that, I, I, I think I registered that. I think in that moment is when her face probably came downcast because he says, yeah, you're right. Um, when you say you have no husband, that's correct. The fact is you have, you have had five, actually. You've had five husbands. And the man that you have now is not your husband. Um, what you've just said is quite true. And so it seems humiliating. I mean, it seems like literally just a, it's, it's a tough thing to hear. This lady's like, who is this guy? First off, that knows this about me. But I think when I look at it, 
it's beautiful because what he's saying is, is that I have this water for you. I have this desire to join you back to who you are, this, this, this unalterable, beautiful spirit that's already within you. But you've got this guilt within you about these five husbands. So he's not shaming her about the five husbands. He's bringing up the guilt that she must be feeling. And it was depicted in this statue. And, and not the guilt that he's bringing to her, but the guilt that yes. she's She's put in herself. Yeah. Exactly. And so there's this beautiful moment where, uh, you know, and so I was reminded of that because, you know, we we often have th- these these um, parts of ourselves that we keep hidden, even from our own consciousness, because it's too, it may be too uh, painful to look at, or it's like, well, I'm, I'm just not any good at this. And it's just that toxic shame, that guilt. And I think what he's saying is that, you know, in order for me to give you to, 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 for you to join back with me, you know, I need these dark places because that's how the light gets in. And so, you know, whenever you're going through something in your life that you may feel shame over, Jesus is just this gentle, safe, peaceful guide that says, I know it's there, but it's not true. That's not who you are. It may be part of your history, but I want to give you an everlasting water that's going to change that. And it's, it ends up being the worst thing about you to then the very thing that heals you and transforms you into knowing who you really are. And we just see this over and over again with his teachings is let's go to the dark space that you think's dark. I'm going to shine a light on it and then it's going to be healed. And I just, I mean, what a beautiful teaching uh, and, and a beautiful way for Jesus to remind us that there's nothing within us that he can't work with, but we have to be willing to offer it to him and say, listen, yeah, I, I have had five husbands and I feel really guilty about that. So this really spoke to me. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, Jesus does two things in this woman's heart and life. And, and the first one is, is that there is shame and the gentleness of Jesus is dealing with the shame that there's a way to love her mm. and to embrace her that she could begin to heal apart from shame. Because mm. shame doesn't ever result in anything good except beating ourselves up more. And right. so I think one of the first things that Christ's presence does in our life is uh, lifting that heavy, heavy cloak of shame. Mm. And um, now... It could be our actions, you know, mm. and our habits lead to more shame. Right. Um, and so I think we play a part. There's this beautiful partnership. But mm. um, we aren't led to more wholeness or freedom or joy by being made to feel worse than mm. we already do. And so the beauty in the gentleness of Christ is, like you said, somehow... It's you could feel safe with that shame and at the same time feel this compelling to live and think differently. Mm-hmm. And and certainly to think about your actions, to think about the choices that you make mm-hmm. and how they could be playing into adding yes. shame to your life. But the presence, that healing presence of Christ isn't bringing more shame to mm-hmm. change you. That's not what transforms you. Right. It's that gentle love also, I would add, helps you see a little more deeply who you truly are. Yes, and I think that's such a beautiful point. There was a uh, a quote, I think it was N.T. Wright, that said, the grace that meets you there is not content to keep you there. So it's almost like this space where it's like, I'm meeting you in this moment where 
you know what, like you have this, this thing, maybe you have lost your job. Maybe you're having some financial difficulty. Maybe you're just lost a relationship. Maybe, um, you know, this has just been around for a while in your consciousness and he's meeting it with grace to say, that's not who you are. And I'm going to take you further. We're going to drop this story and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you everlasting life so that you can then have that change that you're seeking for. And maybe it is a new relationship for this lady at the water in the well where she gets the sixth husband and that's the one that clicks. But it's like, it's always this moving forward. It's not, it's not saying, okay, like, yeah, you made mistakes, but you know, that's it. Don't worry about life moving forward. It's like, no, Jesus is always calling us to more, more joy, more peace, more abundance. And, and it just reminds me that when, when we're able to, see that shame and that cloak, like I love you said heavy cloak, because it does feel that way. It, 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 it allows us to ask the question of what would it be like to not have to live with this anymore? And, and then what kind of choices would I make versus you've messed up the traditional Western, you know, approach is you messed your life up. You better go and fix it. Right. So go take charge. But, but that's just more shame. And you're always cycling that shame. When I was just doing a, had a conversation earlier about how, you know, and I'm I'm a self-professed self-help junkie. I mean, I've read all the books. I've Tony Robbins myself to death. I have I have done all the things, but I, I I'm starting to realize that without spirituality, you you can't deal with that guilt and shame because you're just using it as a way to make yourself better. And there's no help. There's no support. It's all you. And the more that I move back into spirituality and and give this stuff over to Jesus, really things start to accelerate. And they become easier because I'm met with unconditional love. It's like, yeah, you blew it today. But guess what? It doesn't change the way I feel about you. But if I'm the one that's doing the changing and I'm the one that's grading, you know, if you if I fail today, that's taken very seriously because I'm, I'm, not condition, I'm not unconditional to myself. So it's like Jesus is inviting us to a new way of perceiving ourselves and our brothers and the whole thing. So it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful way. Or, or a way that I'd even say it, reminding us of who we've always been. Mm, yes. <laughs> you know, it's like the new version is who you were made to be. Mm. I love the prologue of John. And, and by the way, our whole conversation about love and joy has come out of this book of John in this mm. last uh, preview service. And I just want to read this because um, I think it, it helps us situate ourselves in the nearness and in the mystery that is this Christ presence in our life. But it says, in the beginning was the Word, mm. um, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made mm. that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all people. Mm. So um, that's all creation, human beings. You know, it, it, to imagine that somehow we've been created in and through this Christ presence. So mm. what knows us the best? What can bring the most health and well-being and healing to our lives than a Christ presence that we were made in mm. and through? And then I love in verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So, yeah, there's this beautiful mystery to this Christ presence, this gentle, loving Christ that um, heals and loves and uh, inspires us to be everything we've already already been made to be. Mm. And there's something beautifully um, comforting when it aligns with what is deepest within us. And once again, that's what I think 
I'm learning to trust more deeply and is that I don't see it as something for you. Remember when you were a young kid and you would hear mm. missionaries come and your yeah. prayer was, oh, oh yeah. God, don't, don't call me to be a missionary. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it's like, but what I, and, and I don't know where that fear comes from because I don't think God calls us and invites us to anything that isn't already deep within us that mm. would go, Oh, that brings such harmony and joy and mm. life and energy to, yes, that's, that's what I always hoped that, I would be as beautiful that this Christ presence Mm. um, really does uh, do this for us that uh, I think it invites us to be the freest, Mm. the most mature, the most loving and the most alive person that we could be. There's no fear in that. There should be no apprehension in that at all. Read, okay, I want to ask you this because this is something that um, I've been going through an online class and they, they talk about identifying the fear of God. And it's really the fear of love. But one of the things is, is they say, you know, we all assess in our minds, oh, you know, God, what's God? God's all loving. He's, lo- he's always there for me. He's abundant. He's freedom. Okay, so what are there any fears that come up when you say, Jesus, I'm giving you my vocation. Jesus, I'm giving you my relationships. It's like, oh yeah, there's fears. Well, what are those fears? So I think that's, I want to get you to read that list again because I want to go through the opposites of that list because oftentimes, you know, when we think about giving our lives over to Jesus or, 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 or allowing Jesus to start to work into our lives, that we're actually going to experience the opposite of these. I mean, I've literally had the exact same experience of if I'm a Christian and I really follow Jesus, I'm going to be in some jungle in Congo and get some kind of disease or something where I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to have to sacrifice. I'll never have, you know, a relationship. I'll never be able to use my passions. It was literally such a block. So read, read those words again. Cause I want that's those so, to that's soak so in. That's so foreign to me. Exactly. Because once you mature out of that kids, I mean, this is the way I just experienced it as a kid thinking that God's job was to make me as miserable as he could. Seriously. Thank yeah, you for but saying there did, that. There did come a point where it was like, no, mm. I'm, I'm trusting in the most beautiful, loving, guiding force that any human being could ever trust in. And it would never, ever mm. guide me to something that was going to be wow. incongruent with what's deepest within me. Mm. And so uh, I don't know where those notions come from, but I've thought them. But mm. I do think the kind of Christ presence that we're talking about opening our hearts to, the ones that, that we really want to follow, yeah. the Christ that we truly want to follow, follow um, those fears are, are, are dis, uh, diminished. But not that there aren't questions, not sure. that there isn't curiosity mm. or struggle, but there is an overwhelming sense that whatever this Christ is, mm. is growing more and more trustworthy within my own heart because, you know, I'm learning to trust it every day in, mm. in, in small ways. Before it could ever be about my, my vocation, Yeah, it has to be about, oh, is it better to forgive or to to harbor that bitterness, oh, you know, is it, is it better to, to be stingy or to be generous? Mm. You know, is it better to hate than it is to love? And so I think when you start mm. practicing those on a daily basis, you start, Oh wow. Of course mm. to hold that grudge. Look how miserable people are. That oh my gosh. Holding the grudge never, you, you never get to the point where it's yes. satisfied. It just, no, it just continues to be this insatiable thing that, but to choose to forgive and to do the work of 
walking that out, although it's not instant, mm. is a far better way mm. to live. And so I think if you begin to trust the words of Jesus and the Christ presence in those kinds of things, mm. then, you know, there's larger things and bigger parts of our lives that we can begin to entrust. But it's almost like they're the keys. It's almost like there's these keys that, that, um, that Jesus gives us. And he's like, listen, just put them in the door. Like, you know, like life's the door. I'm giving you this key of forgiveness. I'm giving you this key of, you know, uh, seeing your brother only in love. Just try it. And And I think that's one thing that I've just really started to register lately is Jesus is always saying, test this, test, like test, 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 taste and see, you know, and then trust isn't unwarranted. I'm, I'm letting you know that if you will give me just a little willingness in your life about your vocation, if you'll just give me a little willingness in your, voc- in your relationship, any problem you have, just like this late the well, he's like, I'm not asking that I'm, all I'm asking is for a little willingness. And, and when we, move into that and we let really let our hearts open, even if it's just a little bit and that light starts to come in, you're just never the same again. And then you're more likely to trust again. And so trust is developed. It's just like anything other, any, any other muscle that we're going to the gym. I mean, I'm right-handed and I was um, meeting my little girl's kindergarten teacher this past week and she had shoulder, shoulder surgery on her right arm. And she's like, I can't do anything. And she's like, I literally can't cook. I can't write all these things. And I'm like, that's what trust is. You've been using this arm over here that says, I'm not trusting anybody. I'm definitely not trusting God. I'm going on my own. I'm going to figure this out myself. Well, then wouldn't you expect it to be a little hard to start using that other trust muscle? And you're going to go back to it occasionally and be like, I don't want to trust anymore. I'm going back to my safe space. But Jesus is constantly saying, guys, if you will give me a little willingness, I can strengthen that muscle with you. This is still not something you do on your own. I will strengthen your trust as you give it to me. And I just think that you know, if there's one thing that you want to be as a church, if there's one thing you want to be as a pastor, anybody that's involved in this, you know, as we meet at Gower and as we've been through this journey, like, don't we want to be a group that trusts and learns what and gets to experience what it's like to constantly double down on love to say, yeah, I see the problems. Yeah, I see the I see the things in my life that I wish were different or whatever else, but I'm going to show up and trust and, and, and continuing to develop that muscle and to see the goodness and uh, the promises that come from that is is really um, a, a part of the Christian life that I have started to shift from it being about a mental thing because I want to experience it. I want to yeah. feel love, you know. I don't want to think about it. I want to feel it with my brother. And Jesus is saying, try these keys and you will. Yeah, and I don't know how you can share that with the world around you if you're not experiencing it yourself. Mm. And I think that's what this woman at the well experiences. She experiences this infinite kind of love that doesn't instantly change everything, Yes, but it's the beginning of something very beautiful and a new way of living, a new Mm. way of experiencing life. And so I, I don't, you know, I think we need more disciples of Christ, yes. disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, who aren't going, oh, the burden is so heavy. It's like, yeah, I didn't really want to go, but God called me to Africa, and it's just miserable. But yes. glory to God. Yes. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's glory to God. It's the martyr. There's, it's, it's called it's being mean, a martyr, yeah. Yeah, I, I think if you're if you're given the, the call and the gift to do it, then there's something within you that finds great joy in it. It doesn't make it easy, mm. but there's something that aligns with your inner being that goes, this is what... I'm supposed to do with my life, and I can't think of anything better or more joyful to do. Now, I get it. There are sacrifices 
that bring about joy as much as anything else. Mm. But I, I want to I want to just read this to you because I, I think this is so central to what you're talking about, what we're talking about. It, right in the middle of John, it says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Mm. So you must love one another. Well, it's hard to love another if you don't really know how you've been loved. Yeah. So that's why this gentle Jesus is so important to experience mm. because if we can't experience that, it changes entirely how we love others. And he says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So when you think about it, what makes a Christian? Mm. Um, I think it's someone who's been so transformed by the presence of this loving Christ mm. that it just overflows in the way that they love others and, mm. the, and the world around them. Now, I would imagine sometimes that loving involves sacrifice right. and struggle and trusting in it. Um, I don't think that's always easy, but I do think people who are truly following Christ mm. and um, that, everyone are going to look at and go, those are truly disciples of, of, of Christ. Mm. Um, I think they're going to be living in this way and there'll be something contagiously joyful and mm. life-giving about it, not going, oh, who would ever want that life? I think that's a, I think that's a great thing to close on is, you know, Jesus constantly says they'll know you by your joy, not by your logo or by your, I mean, I'm not, I'm not making fun. I mean, I, you know, not, not by, my fish, by, my fish on my bumper is bigger than the fish yeah. on your bumper. <laughs> or, or, or that we've got the right truth and that church down the street doesn't get it or this or that. It's like they're gonna they're going to know you not by having your stuff in order. They're not gonna know you by anything but love. Because I will say this. They're not gonna know you by you got it all right and everyone's yes. got it wrong and we got the Bible verses to prove it. Yes. That's not how they no. know it. Not according to Jesus. They no. know us by our love. Now, if you got if you got it right and you got yeah. the Bible verses that are leading you to be a more loving person to love the world around you, then we're all good. We're good, yeah. Yeah. Or, but if or it's a means it of separation. Yeah, yeah. They're not gonna know us by our bumper stickers mm. or you know, our Facebook banners. Mm. Um that's so good. Because I do think that there's an element of there's an element of when I see love and I'm around a loving person, I'm immediately drawn in. I just it's like my soul's like, man, I am thirsty. I didn't realize how thirsty I was to be around someone that exudes love. And when, you, when you're around someone like that and then you can start to learn to, to fill yourself up and then you become that for other people, it's very attractive because all of our souls are yearning for it because that's who we are. So it's almost like our souls are like, remind me, remind, would you remind me who I am? Yeah, Jake, you know? and you know what? You know when you're wrong mm -hmm. and you know it and you're around someone that's not loving, What's the instinct, the impulse? Yes. I'm, I'm not going to give in yeah. to that. But when you're around someone that's loving yes. and you know that they're right and you're wrong, there's mm. something that draws out this humility to go, you're right, yeah. because you're safe yes. to not be right in love. Mm. And so um, I think everything is made right by love. Now, mm. now you're really going to the deepest part of what I think is yeah. the message of Christ. But um, everything can be made right. I think everything is transformed mm. by love or by the lack of love. Mm. And so, and there's plenty of red words in these scriptures, the words of Jesus that, that teach us that that's truly what it means to follow him. So mm. that's beautiful. What a great way to wrap up. Well, if you guys, um, 
you're going to hear this. And, and if you can go on to our website, you'll see our upcoming preview services depending on when you're listening to it. So we would love to have you join us. We're at Gower. Um, and our next service, uh, George, is when is our next service? August 22nd. August 22nd, 10 a.m. at Gower Elementary. Um, I got to see the kids area. It's way bigger. Uh, Debbie's still doing an amazing job and, and it's just, I, I, it's a beautiful area. So we've got, we've got everything taken care of for you. We would love for you to come and experience uh, our new home there. We're going to be there for a year. So this is, we're not going to be recording a podcast saying, Hey, we have a new updated location. Um, this it's nice to establish some roots and we're going to love this school. And if you have school age kids, uh, know that we're all praying for you. We're sending love for a beautiful school year and we want to be a light in that school, um, that pours love out. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.